Well, we're here. I confess there were times when I thought it might never happen in person. I might have an episcopacy confined to two-inch squares on an electronic screen. How we would have managed lockdown without the technology, I don't know. But I, for one, am so glad to be able to be here in person. Thank you for your welcome. Thank you to the Dean and to the chapter for putting together this very creative act of worship. Although I confess I did have a moment of quiet levity when I noticed that the Dean, who will be once we can move into Bishop's house, one of our neighbours, asked me the question, will you seek and serve Christ in all people, loving your neighbour as yourself? And with the help of God, Tim, I will. Thank you, Bishop Keith for your extraordinary love and wisdom and grace as you have held this diocese, us, together in ways some of which we've seen and many of which we haven't. Thank you, Rosie, not just for supporting Keith, although I know that you will have given up many evenings and many hours when you would far rather have had him there with you, but also for your wisdom and prayerfulness. And in thanking you, I know I thank all those who support the public ministry of the church in so many ways, not least my own wife, Lindsay, um, who will put up with many of these things in the years to come. Thank you to our archdeacons, who again, alongside Keith, have shouldered so much of the burden. And now I'm in dangerous territory, for as soon as I name some, I should go on and name everybody, but of course I can't. Thank you. Not only those of you who are present with us in body, but those who are joining us through the wonders of technology live or watching this back. Without you, the Church of Christ would not be able to minister the love and grace, which is the very core and essence of who we are. As we seek the lost and serve them in Christ's name, that they too might find the life that we are privileged to know in him. But one final thank you before I draw us back to the text. And that is to our Lord Lieutenant. I'm not sure, Lord Lieutenant, if I should have named you first or last by etiquette, so forgive me if I've got it the wrong way round. But thank you for your personal welcome and for the words of welcome that you will offer in a few minutes' time. Please be assured, and in assuring you of this, I assure all those who have responsibility for leading our communities of our love and our prayers and our commitment as the Diocese of Chester to work with you for the good of every person and every community here in this diocese. I'll say more about all of those things in weeks to come. But despite appearances, today is not primarily about me. It is about Christ. And so before we draw our worship to a close, let's pause and give heed to his words that he spoke to us through our Gospel reading. Seek ye first, Christ says, the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore I say to you, do not worry. So says our Lord in the Scriptures. And yet at the same time we hold in our hand the newspaper which tells us of the second spike that we are just apparently entering with regard to COVID-19, which 
depresses us with confusion around leaving the European Union, around climate change, around isolation and poverty. More broadly, if you are even mildly philosophical about what it is to live in this post-truth society. And all of this comes at a time of bamboozling technological change. And the church newspaper, I asked Bishop Keith to bring in the Church Times without thinking that I wouldn't be allowed to pick it up because of the COVID restrictions, but it is just down there. They're no better. Declining numbers in church. Even in this week's Church Time, a parish in Coventry that can't find a priest and so is shutting its doors. Which way will we look? The one or the other? Do not worry, says our Lord. The world is chaotic, says the press. And in the midst, in the midst of that, in this beautiful place where Christ has been worshipped for centuries, if we will but attend, he stands and repeats what he has once said and continues saying, as perhaps the one still peaceful point of calm in the midst of the storm. Do not worry. Do not worry about your lives. Do not worry about tomorrow. Come to me, all who are weak and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. My peace, he says, I will give to you. It's a peace that the world cannot know. It's a peace that the world cannot give. And even it will be a peace that the world cannot understand. So do not worry. How can he say that? Is it mere fantastic escapism? Well, no, it isn't. Read the passage. It is deep realism. In the version of the Bible that I learned when I was but a lad, the last verse of this passage says, sufficient unto the days are the trouble therein. Every day has enough trouble of its own. Jesus is deeply realistic. He knows about the trauma and trials of life. And yet still, do not worry about your life. Do not worry about tomorrow. Aha, you say then, as an intelligent listener, for I'm sure you're listening to every word I'm saying, is this then just some psychological trick? Take one day at a time and we will get there in the end. Well, no, I want to say to you again, wise though that might be in human terms, this is far more than that. Your Father in heaven knows what you need, and you are invited as you meet Christ into a radical transformation of the now, a transformation which is rooted in trust beyond human capacity. Trust in the God who redeems, not by waving our problems away, but by taking up his cross and climbing a hill called Golgotha who journeys through the world's pain in order that we might be redeemed by his death and given hope by his resurrection. Hope which we see run forever on the cross and nailed into human history on the hill of Golgotha is made present in your life and mine in the now, if we will but trust day by day. So then, says the apostle, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue in him. Yes, you say, but how do we do it? Well, there's this lovely little line in the passage 
I trip over it every so often. The eye is the lamp of the body, and it's had me thinking. Let me tell you a story, a story which I fear you may hear many times over the years because I have pondered it often and will continue to do so. A true story that took place just days after I left this diocese having served a curacy here. I had gone to an incumbency in an area of Doncaster which among many other things served as the red light district. And so it was that I was walking down into town dressed in clericals and the question was asked to me that I knew would be asked to me at some point, do you want any business, love? And because I knew the question would be asked, I had prepared 10, maybe 20 answers. And in my fantasy life, when I turned round and delivered one of my drop-dead lines, this young lady would fall to her knees proclaiming that she had seen the error of her ways and asking me to lead her to Christ. But on that dark autumnal evening, as I turned round, I have to say my mind went completely blank, like completely blank, like you could have asked me the most obvious question and I would not have known the answer. What is your name? Who's the Prime Minister? Is it ever okay to break international law? Maybe I shouldn't say that. My mind was completely blank. And she looked at me, and I looked at her, and she said, well, and I came up with a line which you're welcome to note down on your service sheet and use if you ever wish to. I said, not me, I'm the vicar. And she said, that's all right, love, I've had plenty of them. And I said, well, you're not having me. And I turned, and I literally ran away down the road. And that encounter changed my life and changed the way that I ministered. For I recognized that in turning around, I had expected an encounter in which I could be the hero in my foolish arrogance, and in which this young lady, whose name obviously we later came to know as we worked with these girls over a number of years, she was simply a prize. Her conversion, simply a ministerial experience. But when I turned around, I saw someone created in the image of God and loved by my father and yours. And I was overwhelmed by the size of the task and the enormity of the love. And I have to say to you that what you look at and what you see will shape you either in the image of your own fantasy or in the image of the one at whom, in, at whom you choose to look, in the image of Christ. The eye is the lamp of the body. And so we, in this diocese, finding ourselves in the midst of all manner of storms, must resolve not to look at ourselves and say, how do we hold on to this wonderful as it is? How do we hold on to our own inheritance or our own preferences or our own ways or our own future? For as soon as we do that, we might as well pack up and go home. I cannot tell you what the future will look like, for the Lord has not yet revealed it to me. I can't tell you what the future holds, but as the hymn writer so aptly put it, can tell you who holds the future. And I can tell you that if we resolve even here and now that 
At this phase, indeed, for every day of the life of this diocese, we will look in two directions, at Christ and at the lost. He will shape and form us, that we continue to be his beautiful bride, ever fit for purpose, however the world might change around us. Looking at Christ in order that daily, as we feed on his word and join together in worship, we are shaped in his image and filled with love which goes far beyond our human capacity. As we partner with people and agencies of peace and seek to serve those around us, particularly focusing on those who are most vulnerable, those who are abandoned and abused, overlooked and oppressed, we will find that as we serve them, we serve Christ and we are always shaped for relevant mission in this world. We look at Christ and we look at the lost because that is what Christ himself did. I did not come for those who are well. I came for the sick. I ride a motorcycle. Some of you will think I'm foolish, but I enjoy riding a motorcycle. One of the golden rules of riding motorcycles is you look where you're going. That might sound like obvious, statement to those of you who don't ride motorcycles, but if any of you do, and even if you ride a push bike, you will know the extraordinary reality that if you are coming into a corner ever so slightly too fast, not that I ever do that, if you simply look up and look around, the bike follows your eyes. I can't explain it fully to you, but I remember being taught as a teenager when I was learning to ride that the most dangerous thing I could do was look down at the bike and grip the handlebars tightly for the bike would follow my eyes and I would end up in the mud. And it's the same with following Christ. Look where he is leading. It's always a step of faith. It's always slightly dangerous for as C.S. Lewis put it, Aslan is not a tame lion but keep your eyes fixed on Jesus, the one who is the author and perfecter of our faith. Allow him to lead you and lead us beyond our comfort zone, and you will find that he provides all that we need and far more besides. For the one who sends us to the outer places, to the least and the lowest and the lost, did not call us merely to survive, but to have life and have it in all its fullness. And so to use another catchphrase that I will use a lot over the years, let me say to you I want to be a part of a church that has more parties and fewer meetings. Because at parties you meet people, whereas at meetings you meet problems. Let me say to you that our gospel is one of joy and abundance. But let me draw you back to this central paradox, that that joy and that abundance begins as we take up our cross and follow the one who leads us to the places of brokenness. So I tell you, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow has enough worries of its own. Strive first, strive now, strive here, strive with all you are for the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added to you. And God will bless not only you and us in this diocese, he will bless through us more than we can ask or imagine. And whether we apparently end up as the richest and most successful people in the world 
or perhaps better with nothing at all in human terms, we will discover that we have all things, for we have life itself, and we have found the most precious of prizes, the love, the peace, the joy, the hope that only Christ brings. God bless you as we look forward together in the days which are tough and the days which are joyful. For Christ, our Lord, calls us, and he is always faithful. In his most holy name, amen.